Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. This is a show from The Vault. Back in 2014, the show first premiered. It's a forensic soul analysis on Edgar Casey, And since that time, the audio has been changed dramatically. Some of our first shows, people would only hear the sound on one track. This is part of a learning curve. But I love this show because it presented Edgar Casey in a way that I don't think has ever been done before. So who exactly is Edgar Casey, and why are we focusing on him? Well, Mr. Casey is known as the Sleeping Prophet. He's the father of holistic medicine. He's probably one of the most doc- documented psychics of the 20th century. And for more than 40 years, he gave psychic readings to thousands of people. The stuff that we, th- we hear about today, Reiki, energy healing, I mean, he was talking about it when no one else was talking about it. He was also talking about accessing the Akashic Records, so a lot of amazing things came about it. And a lot of medical innovations came about from Mr. Casey's readings. So tonight, on the Adelim Seminary Truth Radio Show, you're going to hear an introspective interview, somebody who knows his work very well, and you're going to hear forensic soul analysis with the virtues that we love so much. Let us begin tonight's program. Joining us now is Peter Woodbury, MSW, who is an expert on Edgar Casey. He received his undergraduate degree in psychology from Harvard University, his master's in social work from Boston University. He is trained in past life regression and hypnotherapy with Dr. Brian Weiss, Dr. Alan Chips, and Dr. Dan Brown. Peter is a private psychotherapist and hypnotherapist at Virginia Beach. And he focuses on using spirituality and faith and tools for personal transformation and liberation. He's been a student of Edgar Casey and his readings for over 20 years, and we are honored to have him with us right now. Welcome to the program, Mr. Woodbury. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, so can you please tell us who Edgar Casey was and why you feel he's so historically relevant? Well, he was... Um you know, born in humble background, he was just, uh, his parents were more or less farmers in rural Kentucky, and um, they had large family, they were uh, mostly tobacco farmers, and um, he was just born with uh, very unusual abilities, that it took him a while to figure out that other people didn't have these abilities. So in, in his waking state, he uh, could see, like, the energy patterns around people, which we've uh, come to call auras. He could see people that other people couldn't see, and he realized that he was seeing people and beings from other dimensions. Like he, after his grandfather died, he was able to continue uh, a relationship uh, with him, and he was also able to uh, to pick up people's thoughts. You know what we would call uh, telepathy. And so he just uh, he had to become comfortable with uh, being uh, unusual in this way. But um, what we know Edgar Casey best for was this ability he developed under trance. He lost his voice when he was about 20, and he lost his voice for almost a year. And he tried all sorts of things to, uh, to fix the, you know, to remedy the situation. And there wasn't any uh, apparent medical cause for, the, uh, for this uh, severe laryngitis. And uh, when hypnosis was tried, you know, it was one of the hypnosis was becoming popular. He, he was born in 1877, so this was around the turn of the century. Uh, mesmer was starting to become popular uh, in the culture, and they were, you know, Sigmund Freud had used uh, hypnosis um, therapeutically, so they tried hypnosis with him. And when he went under trance, he was able to speak in a normal voice, but then when he would come out of the trance, he'd lose his voice again. So they tried many sessions, and in one of the sessions, they asked him, you know, what's the cause of this condition? And then, uh, like a something spoke through him that was not him. And it just said, uh, tell this body to restore the blood flow to normal and balanced conditions to the throat. This individual has a fear of expressing himself, and it's caused this psychosomatic condition. So it was like a, like a, a third party kind of diagnosing and, and uh, recommending the treatment. And so they, they, the, the hypnotist made the suggestions uh, to him under trance, and they said they could see his uh, throat become uh, red as the blood 
flow went to his uh, vocal cords. And then when he came out of trance, he was able to speak. He, he was able to, he cured himself of this uh, severe laryngitis. But these doctors that were working with him just had the idea you know, that it was so unusual. They began to ask him if he would be willing to try this with other people, meaning that they would give the, the, him names of their patients that were sick and weren't responding to traditional treatments. And uh, he, he prayed about it. He was a very religious person, and he, he said, well, if I could help somebody, I'll try it. And apparently, when he was given the name of somebody, he could diagnose and recommend the treatments for them. And so that's what he became well-known for. Okay. And that, organ, I'm yeah, sorry to interrupt. I just want to, because it's written in one, it's one of the questions I wanted to ask you, is that it's my understanding is what we read is that he's contributed a lot to the medical community, and he was a pioneer in finding uh, cures and treatments for diseases and ailments that had never been thought of before. And I'd like to ask you, what do you feel have been some of his greatest contributions to the medical community, and what are, you, are some of the diseases that he's been a pioneer in treating? Well, he was, um, he's considered like the, the, the Journal of the American Medical Association called him a forerunner of holistic medicine because when he would give a reading for a person, he wouldn't just focus on the physical body. So he would go through the body and he would talk about what was going on with the body, but then he went to the person's mind, like what they were, what their thoughts were about. And so he's a pioneer in kind of the mind-body connection. So he would recommend a person make kind of, you know, just like when you go to a doctor today, they mostly focus on the body. Sometimes you'll get some emphasis on mind-body connection, but he was very clearly, you know, he would work on the person. He'd say, you know, you've, you're harboring resentments. You're, you're jealous and angry so often that that's affecting your physical health. And then he would connect on a third level to a spiritual part. And he said that the that the body, in order to get healthy, has to have a motivating influence. That you you have to have a purpose and meaning to your life. If you if you've gotten sick, oftentimes it's because there's been some disconnection from purpose and meaning in your life. And that's become quite popular now. Now we're we're talking about the turn of the century. And now, you know, 115 years later, we're much more comfortable with these concepts. So. His basic idea about health was that we don't get sick for the most part because something outside of us is attacking our body, and we get sick for the most part because the normal systems in the body have stagnated. Okay. So a lot of his his treatments were about just re restoring balance to the body. But, and um, okay. you know when he would focus on these sorts of things, uh, people would regain health. You know just just rebalancing the blood flow and the you know the liver flow. He he had certain uh, treatments that help the body restore itself, like let's say castor oil packs. He was very high on those. And now if you're a naturopathic doctor, they teach you about uh, castor oil packs. And I think probably another 50 years, if you go to a spa, you're going to start uh, having castor oil packs be one of the options because we've, we at the ARE have studied it and it does increase uh, lymphocyte action, which is part of your immune system. So it's, that's a documented uh, treatment that he recommended that, that science has been able to prove is beneficial, but there's many other uh, kind of uh, innovations uh, that he he made around health, which I can tell you. But yeah, you have like, a question? what would you say would be some of the if you were to say maybe the top five most significant contributions to medical health in terms of like diseases that he's made uh, contributions to? What would you say those are? My understanding is that he was one of the first individuals to uh, focus on scleroderma and actually pull information out and then discover a way to actually treat it. So, are there well, any again he um. You know, the conditions that are considered incurable, like arthritis and um, psoriasis and eczema, he connected that to what, what has eventually been called the leaky gut syndrome. He said that our diet, and sometimes because of overuse of antibiotics and a lot of use of um, eating refined grains and sugars, that that thins the intestinal walls. And then eventually, you know, toxins that are supposed to be eliminated, they actually get reabsorbed. And then the body doesn't know what to do with these toxins, and it stores them in the joints, and then they come out through the skin. So there was a, there's a, a well-known doctor named uh, John Pagano. He passed away uh, last year. But he, was, he, he cured, I mean, his book on healing psoriasis and the leaky gut syndrome is a bestseller in the alternative community, and he's shown over and over again if you... If you do these treatments, you can cure arthritis and, uh, and psoriasis, which the medical community considers uh, incurable. That's one of them. And then um, he talked about the use of silver 
and gold for the healing of uh, of burns. And he talked about that in the you know in the twenties, the tens and twenties of this uh, past century. And now, if you go to a burn clinic, that's what they use to accelerate healing from burns. Is it's usually silver because it's cheaper, but they don't give credit to Edgar Casey having uh, put that out there. So a lot of what he put out there is not part of the mainstream, but it's not. Uh, he isn't really acknowledged, and I don't think he would care if somebody. You know, I don't think any any scientist could say, you know, there's a psychic that I want to research the things that he. Uh, spoke about. Right. Let's take it back to Casey's uh, psychic ability, and it's important that the audience know this, that Edgar Casey was a devoutly religious individual. He was, um, was he pretty sure, was he Catholic? Uh, no, he he was, um, uh, well, actually, he, his family was not religious when he was uh, came in, but he had an innate religious interest. So he, he was drawn to the Bible, and he would read the Bible with his mother, and uh, he started going to the uh, Church of Christ, which I guess would be a uh, Protestant uh, church. And it was at the beginning, it was kind of fundamentalist. And um, so some of his beliefs were, you know, he when he would when he started giving readings, he had two promises that he made that if he ever gave a reading that hurt somebody, he'd stop giving readings. And if he ever gave a reading that went against his Christian uh, Bible faith that he'd stopped giving readings. And, and he actually was very, uh, he stopped giving readings for a while when reincarnation came up as a concept. He, he had no uh, place to hang that on with his uh, Christian upbringing. So it took him a while to reconcile kind of concepts from other religions with his own Christian uh, faith. So we're, when reincarnation came up, was it a self-discovery that he came to the realization that reincarnation what existed and it challenged his fundamental beliefs and when this did happen, how did that change his perception and his readings? Well, the, the the readings were, you know, the, the readings came through Edgar, weren't from Edgar Casey, so he um, he grew, you know, it, it was a, a developmental process for him as as these readings came, he questioned uh, his beliefs, and so he eventually became, you know, what we would now call a New Age Christian, meaning that he he defined himself as Christian, but he practiced. Uh, and believed in concepts that were were non-traditionally, such as meditation and belief in reincarnation. Um, he came to understand that uh, that the religions are sort of um, different paths to God. That God is greater than any religion, and that they all have a place. That there's something valuable in all of them. And so he, um, as much as he's known for being a forerunner or father of holistic medicine. I also think he was a forerunner of uh, holistic theology, meaning that, that the New Age movement is, is a, a belief that you know, it, it incorporates aspects of different religions, so that God, you know, the, the truth of God inclu- includes what the Buddhists and Hindus include with reincarnation, but it also includes the emphasis on, uh, on prayer that is more common to, uh, to Western theology. And do you feel that in your experience that um, his readings that have come through, because he had this um, devoutly uh, religious perspective, do you think that his readings were in any way, shape, or form affected by it, or were the readings kind of just pure information that flowed through him when he went into a state of trance? No, uh, I think that um, he was influenced by, you know, he was always reading the Bible, and he read the King James Version of the Bible. He started as a child, and he he made a commitment that he was going to read it one time for every year of his life. So people said that the only thing they ever saw him reading was the newspaper and the Bible. And his readings come through in a King James English. So I believe that the, the Bible was kind of like his own filter. And so even I believe the readings were greater than any particular religion. They were coming through his kind of body and his kind of mind, which was very Bible, King James version of the Bible-based. And um, but with that said, it depended a lot on the individual getting the reading and the questions that were asked. Now, since Edgar Casey was a devout Christian, of course most of his friends were going to be Christian, and so there was a whole lot of questions asked about Christianity and Jesus. And so there's a belief that the that that the Casey work is predominantly Christian. I believe if Edgar Casey was a Buddhist it would have appeared to be predominantly Buddhist because that would have been the emphasis of the uh, of the question. But there are certain moments in the readings where you can see that, that Casey and his 
friends were asking questions because like, he would talk about past lives and he talked about other religions and he talked about Buddha and Confucius and Lao Tzu and these other teachers that Edgar Cayce had never heard of. And so one time they asked, well, what's the best religion? And his answer was the one that you'll practice. <laughs> and um, did he ever say anything about Jesus Christ that uh, was maybe shocking or that no one really knew about? Did he ever mention if Jesus had a wife or if Jesus had brothers or sisters or um, who Jesus Oh, yeah, he talked about he, um, You know, now it's quite popular. You have to realize that, that this was in a turn of the century. He talked about those lost years of Jesus you know, between 13 and 30. And, and now, you know, it's quite common for, uh, for people to know about Jesus' time in uh, India and, uh, and Egypt and Persia. And, but he also talked about, you know, I was raised Catholic, so, you know, I kind of, you know, I, I almost feel like I should whisper with some of these concepts. But he talked about the past lives of Jesus. What would Jesus, that, who was Jesus in a past life? Who was he in his past life? Yeah, who was Jesus? And, and, uh, <laughs> and with that same question, well, did he mention it, Jesus reincarnation? Well, he said, you know, Jesus was, um, you know, had been part of, uh, you know, Indian spirituality. You know, when, when in his life as Jesus, he went to the places that he had been part of the religious traditions. You know, that, that uh, the soul of Jesus had been involved since the beginning with trying to, to raise spiritual consciousness in the earth. But it wasn't, you know, when he came through as Jesus with Christianity, it wasn't a... Uh, his hope would that be that Christianity would be an inclusive religion and that it had aspects of... Egyptian spirituality, which is about the Ankh, and that there is no death. And then there was an ancient religion called Zoroastrianism, and apparently Casey said he had been Zend, who had been the father of Zoroaster. And if you look at Zoroastrian religious tenets, they're very similar to Christian concepts. And then um, uh, including uh, Indian uh, spiritual philosophy. Not as emphasized, uh, Casey said that Jesus knew how to meditate and would have been considered a yogi, but that that had been already emphasized in Buddhist teachings. And Casey emphasized that when Jesus, they, uh, the disciples ask him a question about why he doesn't sleep or rest like they do. And in the Bible, there's that quote where he says, I eat of the meat of which you know not of. Casey said he was just explaining to the, the disciples that he had learned in his youth about how to use uh, non-physical energies to renew himself, you know, through meditation and yogic uh, practices. But you'd ask me who he'd been in his past lives. He yeah, said that no. he had been... Sorry. Oh, go ahead. I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. He had been uh, Joshua, and if you know about Joshua, you know, Joshua killed a lot of people, uh, you know, zealously. And, you know, his, when, when, you know, Casey talks about karma and that whole thing about Jesus dying on the cross, he said, you know, some of that was, you know, Jesus chose a mission to be a guide, but that he had his own karma. You know, he had he had done uh, just like every all of us. He had, you know, he had uh, taken missteps in his uh, in his spiritual. You know, basically, life on Earth is really complicated. It's very hard to stay spiritually focused and not get caught up in, uh, you know, in some of the other stuff. That's well, going on. And did Edgar Casey ever say if Jesus reincarnated? Um, what was his next life? Was the spirit of Jesus after? Um... No, look, what he said he did though is that it's different. Is that um, you know the resurrection is that Jesus is, is going to be strange, but that um, Jesus did not want to have to reincarnate. That it had been such a long journey to come through to the life of Jesus that he resurrected the body that he vibratorily raised the body with him, and that he can now, when he, when he appears, he appears in that body. So he can manifest. That's why, you know, from the Bible, he re-manifested in his body, and he was able to eat. That he's, he's able to, you know, there's some three-day process that he undertook to vibratorily, uh, you know, I guess his physical body is somehow interdimensional. You know, he can it can manifest and then it can withdraw. Okay, so at this point now, the spirit of Jesus, the Jesus has uh, stopped reincarnating. His 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 end of line is that he's Jesus. So he's been these other lives. So he's kind of like he stopped. He's like, okay, I'm going to be Jesus, and there's no other lives beyond that. Like, yeah, I mean, basically, because his purpose was to to be able to show, according to Casey, his purpose was to show that you can, you know, before you know this whole spiritual influx into the earth that Earth was considered like, you know, uh, no man's land, that it was just a place to get lost. And the purpose of his soul group was to show that you could stay connected to God, to your spiritual origins, through a physical life. No matter you know, how hard it is in a physical world, the draw to the physical, 
and the movement away from the spiritual, but that it's possible. It's not easy, but it's possible. Another thing that Casey talked about with Jesus is that Jesus wasn't just born to two random people, that there was a community called the Essenes that prepared for him for a hundred years. And so that when he came in, there was a whole community around. It's kind of like the Dalai Lama that was nurturing and, and supporting his growth. So, so from childhood, he was, you know, told that, you know, you're the, you're the, uh, you know, you're the, the, the chosen one, the Messiah. And, and he had teachers all along the way from this Essene community that, you know, that took him to India and took him to all these places. So it wasn't oh. just his, his parents were part of that community, but that was the, I remember as growing up as a Catholic, I found that really useful because, you know, growing up, I felt like Jesus was like the, the older brother that does really well in school. And you're like the little, the, you know, the younger <laughs> brother, like, Oh my God, here's, here's Peter. Oh God, you got, you know, your parents must be disappointed in you. Yeah. And, uh, but then to find out, you know, Jesus wasn't, he was, it was a completely different uh, incarnation than any of us who were just born to, you know, the parents that are doing the best they can. Right. Not many of us have a whole team of people, you know, trying to make sure that we uh, realize our full potential. I know we have a limited time, so I want to just go through with a couple of uh, quick questions um, away from the uh, Jesus right now. I want to focus just on a little bit more about Edgar Casey on his yeah. Akashic Records. Um, mm-hmm. What are the Akashic Records, and how did Edgar Casey tap into them? Well, um, Edgar Casey talked about how in a in a previous lifetime, he had been mortally uh, wounded in battle, but it took him three days to die. And in that, in those three days, he learned how to how to leave his body consciously. That most of us leave our bodies at night when we're sleeping, but in that lifetime, he learned how to leave the body consciously, and that he kept that ability as Edgar Casey. So that when he went into trance, he knew how to leave his body, and as he he left his body, he would. Um, transition in consciousness. So it wasn't a physical place. It was a place in consciousness. And what he called the Akashic Records, he said it's a um, like a scheme of time. He says that every moment that passes is kind of, you know, the best I can understand, it's almost like it's filmed. So like this moment right now will continue to exist and that certain people uh, can read that. You know, it, some people that are in the body can go to the place in consciousness where they can see, uh, you know, all these moments that have... Uh, that have passed. And so he, when he would do this process, he would see himself coming up to this giant library and he'd walk up these steps and then a, a cowled like monk would bring out this book and he would, and a book would open to the, to the life that, of the, you know, the individual's lives that he was trying to get the reading for. And then they said, they asked him, I said, boy, is that what it's like? You know, is it like this big library? And the answer back was no, it's not like that at all, but that's how he's, you know, he's downloading it that way. That that's what makes sense to him. There's no, there's no visual to it. It's a it's a place in consciousness. But in order to bring it through to three dimensional, we oftentimes just elaborate on it from our own uh, imagination, our own experience. Good. And he would just do it by what going to him. He would just lay on his back, go into a meditative state, and have access to this area of consciousness. What like like people tap into the internet? Yeah, yeah, more or less. That's what he would do. He um, <laughs> he would lay down on a couch. His wife would give him these uh, hypnotic suggestions. He would bring his hands to his forehead. He would remember uh, an experience he had with an angel in childhood, and then he would uh, see a bright light, and then he knew that he was making the transition. His wife said that she would see his eyes uh, flutter for a minute, and then she knew that that meant that he was he was ready, and then she would um, begin to uh, ask the questions. Uh, and... and uh, and do you think that there's anyone who could be reincarnated right now as Edgar Casey? I mean, there's talks that David Wilcox might be a reincarnated version of Edgar Casey, but do you feel that there's anyone that you think is uh, makes you believe that he's reincarnated right now? Um, well, I have a couple answers I'll give you. Um, I think of Edgar Casey like a Mozart. You know, you don't get a Mozart very often. It's like every 500 years you're going to get somebody who just comes in you know, with a musical talent that's off the charts. I think Edgar Casey just came in with, you know, psychic ability and, you know, whatever, you know, however you want to call it, that was off the charts. Now, I've met people, you know, let's say Edgar Casey was telepathic. Nowadays, he'd be called a medical, uh, medical intuitive, and he had uh, mediumistic ability. So I've met good mediums. I've met good um, 
medical uh, intuitives, but as far as anyone having the range and scope of Edgar Casey, not even close. Now, but with you... That, you know, with that said, you know, there, there's I've certainly met good psychics and good uh, medical intuitives, like like Carolyn Mace is probably one of the best uh, medical intuitives that, that you know most people know about uh, incarnate. Well, and do you think that uh, has any of Casey's abilities been passed on to his uh, sons and grandchildren? Well, he said it wasn't genetic, but he did say that, you know, the abilities that you've developed in past lives will continue with you. Like Mozart had obviously been involved with music for many, many lifetimes, and he brought that in as uh, as Mozart. And so, but if it's a soul group, oftentimes they've been working together on certain aspects, you know, on certain projects. And so his his son and grandson have psychic abilities, but not not to the uh, ability the level that Edgar Casey had. And Edgar Casey had been known for making a lot of predictions, and it's it's strange, but I think that it seems that his predictions were a very small part of his work. Yet a lot of people talk about his predictions, like it's a, it's the biggest thing he's, he's done. And I was just wondering, yeah, yeah what if um, how significant are his, are his predictions in compared to that of Nostradamus? And was there any distinctive prediction that he made about mankind's future? that kind of stands out in your mind as being truly significant and being something truly worth paying attention to? Well, he, um, you know, at the night turn of the century, he talked about, you know, the whole, the word new age. I really believe that he, you know, along, along with perhaps the theosophists were the ones that created that word, that concept. So he talked about us moving into the new age, the dawn of this, uh, uh new age. And he talked about it as a time where, um, you know, there's going to be a, a shift in consciousness towards a, less of the physical uh, material and more of the uh, of the spiritual. And he predicted that we're moving. He said that the Book of Revelation is about these times. You know, the, he called them the half times, the quarter times. How uh, time, in a way, is accelerating as far as like uh, karmic resolution of things. Is that we're living in this very complicated transition time. But his um, he talked about. Um, a soul change coming in that that uh, we're moving into a time you know they call them the indigo kids or whatever you want to call them that there's a spiritual uh, influx of souls coming through at this time and that that's what's going to be building momentum and I, I you know it's hard when you look around you know at 2014 world it certainly doesn't look like you know we're going through some big spiritual renaissance you know you see pockets of it yeah. but I, I personally feel that it's a um, for me, it gives a lot of hope that, that there is this movement going on. There is this movement going forward. And it, and it might not be in, in the next 20 years, 50 years, but that it is, it is building momentum. You know, the shift from the, you know, it's almost like a lot of the, um, the greed kind of uh, structures are sort of falling apart. You know, like Wall Street's falling apart and the economy, unfortunately, the, 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 the parts of it are not uh, working the way that they could. So maybe we're on. Go ahead. Yeah, maybe we're on. Maybe we're on a significant change or a significant course to big change. Yes. Yes. Peter, I know we have time for one more question, and that question is that, in your experience and what you've known about Edgar Casey, did he ever um, utilize his gifts to pull pranks on people? Was he ever uh, humorous? Did he ever give his family a heads up that some annoying salesperson was going to knock on the door? And to hide, like, did he ever utilize it to, you know, pull things out about people and, you know, play any jokes? Were you aware about that? Uh, no, no, he was he was pretty serious about it. But um, you know, there was one time where uh, uh, his father had died, and they were like, you know, his father lived with them at the end of his life, and he had like an office upstairs in their house, and there would be, it sounded like someone was in there, and Edgar Casey said, "That's Dad." He's just sorting through things, and his son was like, "What?" <laughs> and and, and he, his son, he said, "Just leave him alone." And his son went up there and actually saw him, and then went and told the mailman to come in. He says, "Do you hear that?" And the, and the mailman said, "Yeah, that's my that's supposedly my grandfather walking around up there." And that the mailman never came back to the house to deliver mail. But, but that's the kind of he he was. Um, I mean, there were so many unusual things that happened while he was in trance and through his readings. And, and he, he had an ability to, uh, to affect another person's free will. 
and he used it a couple of times, but then he realized he didn't think that was a good idea. Like a, he he had he worked he was a photographer, and he told the woman that worked with him about this, and she said, "There's no way you could make my brother come here. It's impossible. He hates you." He said, "Okay, I'm going to make him come here tomorrow at lunchtime, but I'm not going to be here because I know he hates me." And so she was there the next day, and her brother came up, and he's like, "I don't know why I'm here, <laughs> but it's just either talk to you or something like that." But he he stopped doing that. He didn't. He thought that was. Uh, not good to influence somebody else's free will. Okay, Mr. Peter Woodbury, I want to thank you. It was truly a, a great honor to speak with you today. I thought your analysis and insight was really great. And to learn more about you, can they go to edgarkc.org? Is that the correct website for you? Yeah, go to edgarkc.org, and then in the search engine you can put in my name, Peter Woodbury, and you can see where I'm speaking and what I'm doing for the ARE. Yeah, Peter's got a tremendous, he's got a lot of uh, speaking tours, and he'll probably be speaking to your town near you. Mr. Woodbury, thank you so, so much. Oh, you're very welcome. I enjoyed it. Joining us now is the Avalon Lake surfer, globally respected psychic medium, Miss Carrie O'Connor. You can learn more about Miss Carrie O'Connor by going to her website at carrieoconnor.com. Miss O'Connor, what can you tell us about Mr. Edgar Casey? Edgar Casey is fascinating. I mean, talk about a man way ahead of his times, and I absolutely agree that he was the forefather of holistic medicine. His medical readings were unbelievable. And I was reading something about him, Ryan, that he had, I mean, never mind the thousands and thousands of readings that he did, but also just he had, he would address thousands of topics, you know. I mean, I said that I think there was 52,000 topics that the guy covered. So he's a perfect example of what I call tube traveling, and he was known as a sleeping prophet. And when you look into his energy field, he was able to really step out of time and step out of space and, and really tap into all different dimensions. So he was way ahead of his time just doing that in the, in the time period that he did it and just even the words that he was bringing to the people, um, bringing the words aura, meditation, um, holistic um, medicine, all of that stuff. He was um, such a forerunner. He broke the gate open, or, or really was a, a huge gate opener, and let the energy flood in, and really what was woke up a lot of people's consciousness. You know, wow. huge. And what was he? Uh, what did you see him? His life before him coming in as the life he did as Edgar Casey. You know what's interesting with him, Ryan, and I'll see this every once in a while. He has not had tons of life uh, planets on on planet, lifetimes on planet Earth. Is what I'm trying to say. He's had other lifetimes in different dimensions where some people are familiar with like a Syrian energy or a Lemurian energy or um, I know we've channeled about the Atlantean energy, but he hasn't had a lot of tons of lifetimes in this physical earth plane. And when he did, it was during when we were much more evolved, like the Atlantean time or Lemurian time. So when he came down here, he... Had, came out with a direct contact with knowledge that he was able to bring, which could seem very um, much in the future, but he really was, it was very old to him because he's traveled around, let's say, the universe for eons and eons, and it was per- just perfect timing because he literally opened the gateway for us to, he started the new age too. He was the, the door opener for the new age energy to come through. So I see a lot of other plant energy, or planets energy in, in with him. And when he's been here before, he definitely, I'm saying that he came down during times of change, and you see that with a lot of the New Age teachers. They purposely come down when there's a lot of earth changes. But he came down for, like, the major ones, like the critical ones, like, let's say, the, the you know, when Atlantean um, went down and Atlantean, um, the Lemurian energy turned around. He would come down to this, this potentials of the earth destroying itself because he knew that there was always the potential of turning that um, around. He would come in this incarnation knowing that it was a very high potential of blowing ourselves up or sinking or whatever. And um, But he also knew that if with human consciousness and you could say prayer or collective prayer, they could flip that high potential uh, around. So he was like the, the gate opener I see in his energy field over and over again. Um, allowing that light to help illuminate and enlighten a lot of people. Do you feel that there are any nightmarish scenarios that he had originally predicted that humanity was on a trajectory of actually achieving in terms of you know great atrocities that have been averted because of a shift in consciousness because humanity has maybe become a little more softer? Or do you feel in some ways that there are atrocities that have not that were not supposed to happen but we're on our way to doing it because um, there is a lot more shift 
towards being less respectful and having less love amongst the masses. Right. Well, again, that's where I see that he definitely <clears throat> he's open people, and I've seen over and over where we have um, avoided major nuclear war, bombing each other out. I saw that in the early 80s, that human consciousness has shifted that. And so it is, he, he definitely has woken up people to help avoid that. And as far as the energy shifts right now, the way I see it over the next couple of years, and this is a very pivotal year to turn around the year 2014, 2015, it's like the earth is on this, um, think of it as it looks like a seesaw to me, or it has two feet, one one leg in um, learning through heart heartache and hardship and a lot of 3D stuff in the other leg in let's flip the world around and evolve through major transformation. I mean, it's, to me, it looks like turning the channel and then we're on a total different trajectory. So this t period right now, we're deciding what we're doing. Human consciousness is really being a huge push to, um, to wake up and start getting softer on their energy to really um, change their ways. So do you feel that despite the fact that the world maybe seems to be a little more harsher or there seems to be more violence, that it may be potentially um, actually heading very much so in a very softer direction, that the momentum yes. is pushing yes. towards yes. the softer so, direction? Yes. Right. Sometimes it's like a pendulum, and sometimes we have to get so in the dark or feel like we're right at our wit's end, and then we finally say something's got to give, you know, and then we finally are ready to get out of our old holding patterns and we're finally ready to take accountability and responsibility of that everyone does matter. Everything that we do, every thought, word, and deed, we're putting out there. We're radiating out of energy that's either raising the vibration or lowering it. And so when more and more people wake up and say, wait a minute, I don't have to move to you know, Tibet and live on the mountains to make a change, to help change the evolutionary process, I could do it in my own living room, open up my heart and connect to those individuals around the world that are doing it. And again, it's like, it, to me, energetically turning the table or turning the channel to a different um, trajectory that we're going in because people are so sick and tired of being in the dark, right? So sometimes that's what it takes for people to move, you know what I mean? It's kind of like humanity has a um, procrastinator, and so they wait to the very bottom um, end minute, or there, there's an addiction energy that they have to wait to the last minute before they finally uncle, you know. And there's been a lot of, um, I mean, I'm sure we've probably all heard at some point in time that um, they say, well, you know, the vibrational frequency of Earth is changing and that um, we're going through this major evolutionary leap forward. And I'm curious, you think about a person like Edgar Casey, who had this natural uh, psychic perception who could basically go into a meditative state and access the Akashic records, which is equivalent right. to, you know, basically going on the computer and looking up anything, you pull this information. Right. Do you think that Edgar Casey was a foreshadow of what humanity will eventually evolve to? That majority or, or much more individuals will have natural abilities that Edgar Casey had. Absolutely, absolutely. Every single time we have somebody, and that's why I always use the four runner energy, or I'm using the word gatekeeper, and I mean literally his energy field opens up this huge gate, and then there's a flood of light or higher vibration or consciousness that is getting, uh, let's just say, showering the earth right now, waking up. It's like planting seeds in people's core energy, and then those seeds, when they're watered and fed, people could just open them up or, or just like turn on a light switch. So definitely, absolutely, he came in, and people are waking up. And you know what, Ryan? Everyone has this ability. It's like in, in the more the people that have come in, those forerunners, have strengthened the pathway to get to that um those abilities, and to me, it always starts inside, and Edward Casey said it a lot, too. When people asked him how to become psychic, he said, become more spiritual, and that was his answer about becoming more psychic, become more spiritual, become more loving, and he, uh, and he knew he was pointing the people to the inward journey and to heal their wounded aspects, get out of holding patterns, and then, of course, you're going to open up the psychic ability because it's like a static energy. When we're in holding patterns and we're in the dramas and traumas of life, it creates an energetic static that we don't we shut down or we feel that we're shut down from having access to everything when jesus said all the answers are within or other masters that have said that they mean it literally and the more we go inward and we create literal pathways it looks to me like tubes open up and we have access to everything very 
the history of the universe, the, the Akashic records, our own personal history, the history of the earth, all of that is available to every single one of us. So he comes in and opening shows how it's done. He plants seeds that last generations later. I was reading something that he was, um, there's still books on readings that are over 100 years old. A lot of his medical stuff is being used again t- today. People are still utilizing it. Yeah, they're yeah. still utilizing it, and, and especially those people that are so sick and tired of doctors, and they're going back and, <laughs> and just even talking about, you know, um, uh, ultralight therapy and just really working with gems. And, and, you know, he even moved to Virginia Beach because he saw or felt the, the healing properties of the crystals at in Virginia Beach. So he was very attuned to the earth energies, to the energies that are around him, that everything is alive, everything, again, is energy, and that we all could have this, that connection and so he is reminding all of us that we can all do this. Wow. Ms. Kerry O'Connor, that was an amazing and fascinating analysis of Mr. Edgar Casey. Thank you. Thank you so much. And to learn, thank you, Ryan. Yeah, to learn more about Ms. Kerry O'Connor, please go to her website at kerryoconnor.net. Thank you so much, Kerry. Thank you, Ryan. As always, it's wonderful. Joining us now is the astrophenom, our astrologer, Ms. Constance Dulles. You can learn more about Miss Stellas by going to her website at constantstellas.com. Miss Stellas, what can you tell us about the life of Mr. Edgar Casey? Well, in addition to having his astrology chart in front of me, I know something about Edgar Casey because anyone who um, uh, studies in the occult field, whether it's psychic, uh, um, psychic readings, astrology, transmediumship, healing, uh, owes a great debt of gratitude to Edgar Cayce. Um, there certainly were people that had um, uh, skills, talents, and gifts, but Edgar Cayce was unique in that he documented or was documented with all of his readings. And there's a vast collection of everything he said, both personally for people and also uh, in terms of illnesses and healing and also in terms of things that were important, he felt, for everyone to know historically. So what his um, chart reveals is that he is a Pisces with uh, altogether a stellium, which means a concentration of planets in Pisces with a Taurus moon and a great collection of um, planets in Capricorn. So there's an earth and there's a water blend. And it, what was interesting about the way his talent and gift worked was that he fell asleep. And all of his uh, readings and his insights came when he, his conscious mind was kind of snoozing away and his unconscious and subconscious was working uh, very heavily. And he would speak in his sleep and then these um, readings were transcribed by a secretary. He was also the Capricorn to me. So that is very Piscean because Pisces is, Pisces is the last sign of the zodiac and very much um, between this world and the next. And so his conscious mind probably got in his way. I know that he had a lot of trouble in school and then he would, um, <laughs> he would put, I don't know if we can try this, but he would put his books under his pillow and then somehow absorb the information and then pass his yeah. exams. And um, this, I mean, not everybody has this talent, uh, but for him it, it was a way of absorbing the vibrations, and that's basically what he did in his trance readings uh, as well. And there are centers all across um, the country called the uh, Association for Research and Enlightenment that study Casey's um, uh, readings and also his cures for a variety of illnesses. So he, he has made big contributions. He was also extremely uh, rigid, um, no, well, yes, rigid that what he was channeling and what he was communicating with in his trance state was um, religiously sound. I don't think he particularly cared whether it was Christian, Buddhist, Muslim, um, Hindu, whatever, but that, that, I mean, he himself was a Christian and was very, very um, devoted to the Bible, but he, he, he felt that it was essential that this information be tied in to his religious beliefs and the Bible. 
And so he, he, there was no hucksterism about it. There was no, you know, putting one over on people. There, none of that vibration was present in um, Edgar Cayce's chart and in his life. Um, he, he struggled financially. Um, he and his wife, uh, and I believe he had uh, one child, maybe more, I'm not sure, but his, uh, he, he was definitely on the high road. And I would say that he had not very much um, to do personally, ego-wise, with his talents. They just came through him. And since he was really the first person um, that documented or was documented in these skills, I think there was a great deal of loneliness um, in, his, in his pursuit. But he did incredibly, um, you know, he helped a lot of people, helped a lot of people. Uh, and I guess one of the questions that a lot of people who respect his work and have come to know and love him are always curious, when is he coming back? When will we see the spirit of Edgar Casey return to Earth? And oh, what a fascinating question. Um, my uh, impression is is that he's 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 uh, pieces, and, and and we can't be too literal about this. I'm not sure his spirit is altogether coming back as uh, as the reincarnated Edgar Casey. Um, I think he is in the world beyond, influencing many people uh, through his A.R.E. associations and through his um, uh, inspiring other people. So I would say he's kind of emeritus uh, at this point, and um, I you think may not to make not, the scene again. Sure. So you think he may be done with his with this cycle of physical. Uh, yeah, I, I think that um, I'm not sure how old he was when he died. Do you know off offhand? I don't. I believe it was. I, I think he lived to be an old age. I, I don't know. Yeah, about. I mean, I know it wasn't young or anything, um, but um, uh, I think yeah, I, I I think he's twinkling up there in the stars, watching over us. That's great. Ms. Constance Stellis, the astrophenom. Thank you for that great analysis. And to learn more about Ms. Stellis, please go to her website at ConstanceStellis.com. Thank you so much, Ms. Stellis. My pleasure. Joining us now is worldly renowned psychic medium and host of Spiritual Solutions Radio Show, Ms. Lisa McGarity. Learn more about Ms. McGarity by going to her website at Lisa McGarity. Dot com M-C-G-A-R-R-I-T-Y dot com. Mr. Garrity, what can Hi you there, tell Ryan. Hey, how are you? What can you tell us about Mr. Edgar Casey? You know, Edgar Casey is an amazing human being. If there's anyone out there who hasn't read his work or hasn't checked into the work that he did while he was alive, I really highly recommend it. My feeling with him when I tune into him is that he was sent especially during his lifetime to help Americans and people abroad, but specifically people in this country, get ready for the time that you and I are living in now. I'm shown that he had a past life in the Essene community. I believe he was a scholar and a teacher in that that community prior to this lifetime, and also spent other lifetimes as a meditator and a Buddhist and had been a monk and a priest in previous incarnations. But he came here on purpose to open us up to ideas like channeling, altered states of consciousness, reincarnation, things that weren't part of the common American consciousness at the time. And really, he, he has led the way as a modern prophet and a modern mystic. So, you know, his work is inspirational for so many people in my field. Oh, and what do you think that, of all the people, why him? Why why? Edgar Casey. I mean, if there's all these other people that are out there that are that are in touch with spirituality or in touch with curiosity, how how did this gentleman become the the head person? I, mean, was, I think I think that's a great question. The hallmark of his work, and if you read anything about him, you'll find he was very sweet. His motivation was always service. He wanted to help people. He never worked because he wanted to collect money or build fame and reputation. He came from a very pure, spiritual, humble place. And that has power. That has momentum. He was plugged into source. Um, also, the incredible details that were in his um, readings, he kept very good records. Those records, you know, showed how way far ahead of his time, both forward and backward, his mind can reach. 
And, you know, today you can still read through all the notes that were taken um, on his readings. And it's just absolutely mind blowing to see what this man was able to do. Okay, did he have a dominant? Uh, did he have any dominant spirit guides that were with him in that particular life, or has he has his spirit come to Earth with the same or different spirit guides? Does he have like uh, common or different spirit guides when he comes to Earth? You know, one of the things that Edgar Casey always recommended to people is that they first make contact with their own higher self. And personally, I think that's a great message. It's it's wonderful to work with spirit teachers, but it's um, safer, especially in the beginning and. Um, actually fairly easy to do, to make contact with your own higher self and kind of develop your own human potential. And that was his message when he was here. And my feeling when I look at this is that he's still doing that. He's in the next plane. He's in spirit helping people who are on this journey to connect with their own power, their own spiritual process, and to channel information through their own higher self, um, along with, of course, the guides and teachers, but to, to use your, your innate power. Okay, now in terms of his soul and in terms of his evolutionary cycle, will you do you feel that he's going to have another physical incarnation anytime soon? As far as I can tell, you know, I, I'm I'm certainly not in charge of Edgar Casey, but as far as I can tell, his job now is to watch the Earth from the next plane and to help the people who are working on his body of research here on the Earth. So no, I don't think he's coming back to be in a physical body. I'm not being shown that. Um, but, of course, anything's possible. Right. I just don't believe that's his job. And one final question. You said that he was getting the earth ready for this time that we're living in now. What is so significant about this time that we're living in now? Like what is uh, occurring on the earth? It's, I don't know. Well, he prophesied um, lots of things that we've now found out to be fact, like possible pole shift, uh, things like weather patterns in the far future. His, you know, He prophesied the financial the stock market change and the crash, world wars. Um, and just this got Americans thinking. And, of course, in, during his lifetime, the word got out slowly. But today, you know, it, it causes people in this country and, like I said, throughout the world. But I think it, his impact or his destiny, rather, was to really open the eyes of uh, the United States. It caused people to think differently about what might be the truth about the spiritual journey here on Earth. And, I, you know, I'm amazed by him and in awe of him. I think he did a beautiful job. Ms. Lisa McGarity, that was a great analysis. Thank you so much. And to learn more about Ms. McGarity, please go to her website at Lisa, L-I-S-A, McGarity, M-C-G-A-R-R-I-T-Y dot com. Thank you so much, Ms. Lisa McGarity. Joining us now is the astrophenom, our astrologer, Ms. Constance Dulles. You can learn more about Ms. Stellis by going to her website at ConstanceStellis.com. Ms. Stellis, what can you tell us about the life of Mr. Edgar Casey? Well, in addition to having his astrology chart in front of me, I know something about Edgar Casey because anyone who um, uh, studies in the occult field, whether it's psychic, uh, um, psychic readings, astrology, trance mediumship, healing, uh, owes a great debt of gratitude to Edgar Cayce. Um, there certainly were people that had um, uh, skills, talents, and gifts, but Edgar Cayce was unique in that he documented or was documented with all of his readings. And there's a vast collection of everything he said, both personally for people and also uh, in terms of illnesses and healing and also in terms of things that were important, he felt, for everyone to know historically. So what his um, chart reveals is that he is a Pisces with uh, altogether a stellium, which means a concentration of planets in Pisces with a Taurus moon and a great collection of um, planets in Capricorn. So there's an earth and there's a water blend. And it, what was interesting about the way his talent and gift worked was that he fell asleep. And all of his uh, readings and his insights came when he, his conscious mind was kind of snoozing away and his unconscious and subconscious was working uh, very heavily. And he would speak in his sleep and then these um, readings were transcribed by a secretary. 
he was also the Capricorn to me. So that is very Piscean because Pisces is Pisces is the last sign of the zodiac, and very much um, between this world and the next. And so his conscious mind probably got in his way. I know that he had a lot of trouble in school, and then he would um, <laughs> he would put I don't know if we can try this, but he would put his books under his pillow and then somehow absorb the information and then pass his yeah. exams. And um, this, I mean, not everybody has this talent, uh, but for him it, it was a way of absorbing the vibrations, and that's basically what he did in his trance readings uh, as well. And there are centers all across um, the country called the uh, Association for Research and Enlightenment that study Casey's um, uh, readings and also his cures for a variety of illnesses. So he, he has made big contributions. He was also extremely uh, rigid, um, no, well, yes, rigid that what he was channeling and what he was communicating with in his trance state was um, religiously sound. I don't think he particularly cared whether it was Christian, Buddhist, Muslim, um, Hindu, whatever, but that, that, I mean, he himself was a Christian and was very, very um, devoted to the Bible, but he, he, he felt that it was essential that this information be tied in to his religious beliefs and the Bible. And so he, he, there was no hucksterism about it. There was no, you know, putting one over on people. There, none of that vibration was present in um, Edgar Casey's chart and in his life. Um, he he struggled financially. Um, he and his wife, uh, and I believe he had uh, one child, maybe more. I'm not sure, but his uh, he he was definitely on the high road. And I would say that he had not very much um, to do personally, ego-wise, with his talents. It just came through him. And since he was really the first person um, that documented or was documented in these skills, I think there was a great deal of loneliness um, in his in his pursuit. But he did incredibly, um, you know, he helped a lot of people, helped a lot of people. Uh, and I guess one of the questions that a lot of people who respect his work and have come to know and love him are always curious when is he coming back? When will we see the spirit of Edgar Casey return to Earth? And oh, what a fascinating question. Um, my uh, impression is is that he's 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 uh, pieces, and, and and we can't be too literal about this. I'm not sure his spirit is altogether coming back as uh, as the reincarnated Edgar Casey. Um, I think he is in the world beyond influencing many people uh, through his ARE associations and through his um, uh, inspiring other people. So I would say he's kind of emeritus uh, at this point, and um, I may not to make not, the scene again. Sure, so you think he may be done with his with this cycle of physical... Uh, yeah, I, I think that um, I'm not sure how old he was when he died. Do you know off offhand? I don't. I believe it was. I I think he did live to be an old age. I I don't know. Yeah, about. I mean I know it wasn't young or anything, um, but um, uh, I think yeah I I think he's twinkling up there in the stars, watching over us. That's great. Ms. Constance Stellis, the astrophenom. Thank you for that great analysis. And to learn more about Ms. Stellis, please go to her website at ConstanceStellis.com. Thank you so much, Ms. Stellis. My pleasure. Joining us now is the angel whisperer, globally respected psych medium, Ms. Laura Lynn. You can learn more about Ms. Laura Lynn by going to her website at angelreader.net. Ms. Lynn, what can you tell us about Mr. Edgar Casey? Hi, Ryan. I am so excited to do this uh, this interview because Edgar Casey is one of my favorite seers of all time. I really, I love him. He has been an amazing friend of mine. I actually wrote a book that had a lot of interviews with Edgar Casey in mind, and I'll explain that here in a moment. Actually, uh, 
you know, Ryan, I think I told you before that he's come through to me. I mentioned that, mm-hmm. correct? Okay. Well, when I was uh, giving a reading to one of my friends, he came through and shared with me that there's many people that's channeling him, and some people may know it and some people don't, but he has been coming through to a lot of people giving uh, tips on well-being, health care, uh, giving information about things that's coming in the future, and he's just been splendid to help many people around this world. Okay, so Edgar Casey is he still in the same physical human form? Well, sorry, I mean the same spiritual human form as he was when he left. He, he sure seems to be. He seems to be helping a whole right, lot. So of when people. you say helping people, how is he? How is he communicating with him? How do you communicate with him? Well, I a couple different ways. I the first time I saw him very vibrantly, he was absolutely beautiful, gentle man that came through and shared with me uh, that I could actually do what he did in the past with the sleep hypnotic trance state. And I was a little surprised, but I went home and uh, shared with my husband and we, we worked through it and uh, my husband would ask questions and you know, it did, it came through very easily. Now I am a person that meditates uh uh, every day, I, I always had a practice of meditation for for many years, and so it wasn't hard for me to go into that state. I was just surprised that I could actually talk in that state, and so we used the recorder and uh, did a lot of different transcripts. We tr- started transcribing what was coming through, and through that time, we probably did 150 to 200 uh, readings. Wow. So when you did these readings, what do you think were some of the more compelling things that he had said? And also, when you talk to him, what does he perceive now about the world that he didn't have quite have a perception about it before? Did he like gain a lot more knowledge and information and wisdom since he crossed over, or is he just the same type of uh, person that he was now? Well, he he feels like he's a very humble man. And, you know, he feels like the spirit flowed through him uh, because he believed in it. He was aware that he could do it. He he became adept to uh, – when he attempted this first, he was, I think, as surprised as I was that it came through. And with this knowledge that he has gained through his own counsel, his uh, his masters around him – He's aware that the earth is very alive. It has a, a, a breathing, if you will. And he has made a lot of statements when he was here in the physical realm that the, that the world globally, that there is going to be a lot of weather changes and challenges in the future through industrialization. And he is very aware now and can see it. Uh, he can see it as life or consciousness what has happened and, you know, how much the earth is really begging for us to work with it, to work with her mother earth. He, he, he goes on and on about this. Really. Let's talk a little about his past life. Who was Edgar Casey in a previous life before he came uh, to to the person he is now? And um, what do you foresee as his uh, future lives? Well, as far as past goes, Edgar Casey believed that it wasn't as important to believe who who a person was, more what their essence was about. And I do feel that he was a seer that was pretty strong in the spiritualist movement uh, and that he knew he knew things that people could not possibly perceive about others. And he worked with people on an individual level to help them get to new places, new awareness. And with that, I feel like he came back very uh, – rapidly came back to this earth just maybe within 10 years after his passing and wanted to share more. He needed to share more, and that is what happened with him. Now, with this, again, with the past lives, which he was very strong in talking about reincarnation, he also understood that we had between life states where we learn and grow and in the future that there will be, you know, future lives. And I do believe that he will come back again as a seer, uh, as a prophet and be globally respected. And, and the 
the nations will understand that he has a wisdom about him and a love about him that will help carry uh, the people more to one. What do you feel about some of the statements that I think um, – uh, correct me if I'm wrong with this, but is there an – doesn't David Ike sorry, not uh, – sorry, doesn't David Wilcock imply that he may be the reincarnation of Edgar Casey? Well, actually, I've never heard of him. Um, and if that's, you know, if he might indeed have an essence of, of Edgar Casey coming through him, I would not doubt that because I do believe that our soul does, uh, I don't want to use the word fracture, but, uh, just, um, split off in different areas or different cells. And he might be, uh, he might be channeling a part of that. Having spoken or having a direct communication with Edgar Casey, what do you think some of the messages that he'd like to get out right now? are really crucial the crucial message that i believe and let's just say let's let's allow, allow him to speak you know let you know Edgar, if you know if you could come through you know bring your message forward the the message that i'm receiving is to be gentle to be loving to you know work with your family members your loved ones your friends and in a loving way and to learn to forgive he really feels strong that working with the individual is is the true magic, and the the pure existence of life, the expression of life, is through the individual. That's great, Miss Laura Lynn, that was a great analysis. Thank you so much. And to learn more about Miss Lynn, please go to her website at angelreader.net. Thank you so much, Miss Lynn. Thank you, Ryan. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits Minute Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our featured guests, including our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Lisa Kaza, and Miss Costasellas. To learn more about the Out of Limits Minute Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. Until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers with no hangovers whatsoever. Take good care. Thank you so much for listening. Want to be heard or seen in front of millions of people? Want to be an expert on TV or radio? Goldman McCormick PR is a New York City-based public relations agency that specializes in traditional and social media placement for law, finance, media, and corporate-based clients. Goldman McCormick PR also are specialists in website development, radio show creation, press conferences, media training, and so much more. Check out GoldmanMcCormick.com for more information. GoldmanMcCormick.com.